0: ESPN LA 710. Hey, this is LaFern Cusack for ESPN LA 710. Thank you so much for joining me. For more information, please log on to ESPNLA.com and go to the Experience page, download podcasts and other information, or check me out on Twitter at Laferne Cusack. This week was very special for me. I didn't realize how much of the Americans fan I was until I had the opportunity through Promax BDA to speak with the marketing chief of FX Networks, Stephanie Gibbons. Now, I am a fan of the Americans, but I was thinking, like, I'm a fan, like, well, I watched the show, but when I hear, well, you're a fan, I think, well, you know all the things that are happening on the show, what the characters are doing, what they might do. You're online talking about those characters and trying to think of what's going to come come next on the show. But I was doing that with the marketing campaigns. I was sitting here waiting for the marketing campaigns to come out so I can see was happening. And I just took pleasure in watching what was going to come out next in regards to like the billboards that I saw on Highland Avenue or online, the promos. And I realized, yeah, I I guess I am a fan. But I'm more of a fan of Stephanie Gibbons. I think she's brilliant. And as you can tell by uh, this interview coming up, I'm sure you become a fan of hers as well. Take a listen. ESPN LA
1: 710.
0: So we're talking about the Americans campaign and we talk about how television has long resembled life's political history and it changes thoughts and ideas and influence the political arena. How do you feel that the Americans fit into the politics that are uh, happening now?
1: Well, first, We didn't take into consideration the recent events when we were developing the campaign, which simply because we're entering the fifth season and we've been on this trajectory for quite a while. So this actually was put in motion long before the uh, confluence of Trump, politics, Russia, Russia, potential nefarious activity. Uh, this was, this has been a series that's been in produc- production a long time and has been, um, I think the creators spoke recently, that uh, they're not taking it into consideration either. They have a world that they've created and a trajectory for the characters and the themes that is proceeding separately. So I don't know if you actually have a story. <laughs> I feel a little bad, but...
0: No, no, not I mean, at all, because that, that, I was going to ask you that. I mean, a lot of people, you know, they saw the ad in the New York Times this past weekend, that, and there was a lot of social connectivity with that and people talking about it. Was that a last-minute thing, a lucky coincidence? No. Uh,
1: I wish that we could take credit for that. This is the third year that we've done the integration with the New York Times. and. Uh, We've really loved that tactic. It's very, very effective. Uh, It's the right audience for the Americans, a uh, cerebral, intrigue-oriented series that uh, has a lot of uh, complex uh, machinations between the characters, the political environment of the time, historical context, all of the above. But what has happened in our culture and our political environment right now is, interestingly, moving on a parallel track. Mm-hmm. But two roads began in the woods a long time ago, separately and parallel, and managed to intersect at this moment in time. Oh, wow. So it was. Uh, it may have been, in fact, kismet but it was not a Machiavellian move.
0: <laughs> I was looking at it. I was like, no, I know that they have to plan their marketing calendar way in advance. So how could that have happened just like that? It was, it was so beautiful. And, and, Like, I'm going down or driving up La Brea and Highland, and I'm seeing all the billboards, and I'm like, oh, my God, what billboards are going to come out next? (laughs) And is it going to, you know, be about, you know, what's happening now. And I was, like, so excited. Can you talk about the cross-platform strategy in creating the assets?
1: Well, the campaign this year was it, it does have some interesting connections, and we did create it after Trump had been elected, but in a similar fashion to the way the world has been uh, experiencing the Trump, uh, I I shouldn't say the actual connection, but experiencing the possibility of uh, the Trump administration and the Trump campaign having a potential connection with The Russian government, he had already been elected, but as the story has progressed, uh, the writers and the pundits are describing it as the drip, drip of the story (laughs) where every few weeks, another cataclysmic uh, fact is dropped and the world tries to surmise whether or not this is an indication of a nefarious connection between the Trump campaign and the Russian government. Mm -hmm. For us, one of the basic premises that we've worked with all along on the show is the notion of a very average, ordinary, banal existence, one where a family is in suburbia, and all appears very normal, and yet what lies beneath is extremely dangerous, uh, nefarious. uh, Talk about the deep state. (laughs) Very connected to, uh, I guess I would just say that it's very much a show about lifting the log and seeing what lies beneath. And for us, our marketing has always followed suit. So our campaign this year is based on innocuous scenarios that are the norm for your average family going about their daily lives. And then there is the shocking entrance of fighter jets or an ICBM (laughs) missile. Have you seen the spot?
0: Yes. Yes, I have.
1: And the family continues very much in their... Mundane dialogue, i.e., what are we going to have for dinner? Uh, they're walking along the cliff, taking in a family weekend day, discussing what's going to happen for dinner, and this huge missile emerges from the ocean. They are leaving the house in the morning and they are discussing that the yard needs work, and you have the normal banter between husband and wife about who's avoiding work and the jokes. <laughs> and then Fighter jets fly over the top of the house. You have Paige, who has been drawn into this, uh, the circle of spies with her parents, and she's leaving school, and uh, the jet flies over the school. And in each of these, you notice that, like for example with Paige, everyone else ducks, and she is unmoved, she continues, on her merry way, if you will. Mm -hmm. It is very much about the fact that they are leading these double lives and that while an environment may seem very benign and very normal, that it is actually um, that there's another frequency, if you will, where danger is a heartbeat away and that they walk with that tightrope between those two worlds seemingly effortlessly. Although it's not, there's a consequence to every action. So we, and we also feel like the human condition is such that as a species, we rarely lift our eyebrow and take action unless our own front door is on fire. And then everybody's screaming, well, why wasn't something done before? But until we're under direct threat, we care very little about we have a tendency to care very little about anything beyond our own small individual worlds you see that with uh i was just watching this morning and they were talking about an earthquake is imminent in southern california that they there's a new way that they figured out when they're going to happen and we're overdue and that Essentially, we're tightening the screw every day, and this tension has to be released, and it's going to be massive, and every hundred years this happens, and they now have a way of determining that it's it's not just a possibility, that it's imminent, and it will happen, and it's a certainty, but nobody's rushing around today to prepare. When it happens, everybody will be screaming, why wasn't there the infrastructure in place? Why weren't we warned? Why didn't we do the things necessary to protect the buildings, the infrastructure, the people? But now, since it's not immediate, we're probably more worried about what we're going to have for dinner tonight. And this is a case where... uh there are always two worlds going on and for those that want to go deeper and want to understand, but we wanted it to feel like the shock that you really experience when something that's been there all along suddenly rears up and smacks you in the face and says, I told you so. So right. part of this was when we created this spot that we literally described that we wanted people to push their head back. Uh, like when you get smacked in the face or something pops out of a corner and comes at you, that you have a visceral, physical reaction to this completely unexpected element entering the screen and coming right at your face. So we think it's interesting that as we exist as civilians of both these states, all the time that we exist in the US, like. Yesterday, it came out that the FBI on WikiLeaks was dumped. They know how to listen to us through our smart TVs, our smartphones. The CIA, sorry, uh, the CIA uh, knows how to listen in on our smartphones, our Samsung smart TVs, our iPads, our all of these things, and all of this is going on while we go about our daily lives and yes. play Candy Crusher. So, right. Right. <laughs> uh, that was really the essence of the campaign.
0: Yeah, the promos, I was I was looking at it and I was like, oh my gosh, are they taking it as here we are in reality and we're totally ignoring what's going on around us while these missiles are going off. And it's I fit it into the political structure now, but it's like, well, you guys planned this all along, and it just happened to just fit right in. And it looks like yeah. it reflects reality of what's going on now.
1: Those, uh, the planes are the metaphor, the symbols of the danger that's ever present and how much of a tightrope we're all walking, but we're simply too narcissistic and in many cases ignorant to take the time to delve deeper. And when one does, one is many people in America right now who've never been involved in politics or taken the time to read The Washington Post or the New York Times uh, have now become avid readers. Their subscriptions have gone up. They're mm-hmm. following what's happening. And it's a it's an intense education about government and power and They count on our ignorance. They count on our being too busy to take a deep, profound, ongoing interest in what they're doing. And yet they're doing many, many things that would concern us deeply if we simply took the time to stop, listen, and look.
0: Absolutely. Previously in uh, other interviews, you talk about connecting characters to moments and culture. Do you see the Americans campaign fitting into like future case studies of politics and television?
1: I, I'm uncertain. I think that, I think that our relationship, I think why this is such a quality series and it's so intriguing is that the themes are extremely universal and, Power corrupts. We know that about ourselves. We know that that's within our nature. Mm -hmm. We also know that it's very difficult to even hold ourselves with ourselves quietly in a dark room thinking at night as we lay in bed to make positive changes in our lives, to be ethical, to make the decisions necessary with how we deal with family, friends, career, life. All of those, we're always walking that tightrope of what's right, what's wrong, and navigating the gray. Mm -hmm. And when you think about power being concentrated in government, it's a crucible of all the things that are good about Homo sapiens and all the things that are horrific about our species and all of the negative things that we're capable of. We're capable of great charity, we're capable of great compassion, we're capable of great altruism, but we're also capable of doing ourselves and others great harm. And we're very selfish, and we also can be very much focused in the now. So when you have groups of people together making decisions for the world, it's very difficult for them to separate their own egos and their own personal biases from that process. And you have two cultures, the United States and Russia, that have long had a tenuous relationship fraught with friction because our ideologies are not consistent. And many times we hum along and those differences don't collide. But when they do, it reinforces that each nation has an extremely different viewpoint of how to handle problems, let alone what they believe are the basic tenets of our lives on a day-to-day basis, what is right, what is wrong. And so you're seeing now that we're in a period where, just like the San Andreas Fault, the tension has been ratcheted up. Mm -hmm. and that tension has to be released because we have a very core disagreement. And when you look at the characters of this series and what they're facing, you have two people that came over here, very, very strong ideology, ideology Mm -hmm. so strong that it would allow them to take jobs where they're essentially foreign agents that are going to push their own country's doctrines in another land and are that um, are that invested on a personal basis in the belief system that they're working to uphold. And they come here and that is where the fulcrum stands and things shift because one of the characters does like living in America okay. and it's seeing that on an everyday basis that a black and white hardline view of what is right and wrong that is separated from the challenges of everyday, the challenges of dealing with people and their foibles and dealing with love and personal loyalty and dealing with family and children and encountering a, cultural, a culture where you become friends with the people that live there and it becomes very, very difficult to see them as evil or bad Or the enemy, because you know them as human beings. So ideologies can bring comfort in uncertain times, but they can also break apart under the pressures of reality and applying those rules on a flexible landscape when they're so concretized. So these characters are living in an America that they don't. Be as evil, necessarily. And, mm-hmm. and, and you're very much dealing with a situation where does the end justify the means? All these things they've engaged in, uh, you, you have to ask yourself after a period of time, are you supposed to do evil in the pursuit of good? Okay. Where does that line cross? And I, I think government is a very difficult uh, landscape to work in, to be a part of, to understand because that's a world where the end justifies the means is almost a doctrine in itself. And uh, I don't know if somebody will be interested in studying this someday. We began, I think, working on a series that two creators worked on that had universal themes, and we're seeing an interesting confluence of a fictional world based on a real world that is actually colliding with the real world. And we were the beneficiaries of that confluence, but we were not the architects of it.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: I wish we were prescient <laughs> in that way, but but I, I, I have to plead, nope, we weren't. And we just have the same average IQs as the rest of the world.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's so amazing. And then also, just going back to like the billboards and, you know, looking at the outdoor ads and the colors. What was the thought uh, process behind the color palettes?
1: Well, we have for many seasons played in the constructivist world where we've been very influenced by political propaganda and how artists have worked probably since the beginning of time, probably since uh, they were painting on cave walls, Mm -hmm. Uh, very primal symbols and things that touch our brain stems. Uh, Oh, my God. So my brain fell for it. (laughs) (laughs) We we use the palette of uh, Rosie the Riveter. Uh, If you look at that 40s propagandist poster of the... Uh, um, And I'd like to give you the names of the agencies that we worked with, too, because I don't want to take full credit here, uh, you know, when we send you the materials. But um, we, uh, we have long worked in that constructivist world, and we wanted bold palettes. So we've taken the palettes of patriotism on U.S. soil and patriotism on Russian soil, the colors of our flags, the colors of our political propaganda, we've worked in very strong graphic images. And this year we have a construct between the, uh, I guess I would say we have a conflict between the two characters. One is wanting to lay their gun down, so to speak, is wanting to leave. Uh, It doesn't want to be a spy anymore and the other one is still tied to the ideology and the goals that they came with and so there is tension between the two characters and if you see the wedding ring there you see that he is pulling the gun down while she is holding it up and their hands are joined and so there is a tension there is a push-pull between the two characters. One wanting to lay the gun down the other wanting to remain engaged in their original ideology and pursuit and you have so it shows them a united front because they are they've become the the conceit of being of two agents being married to one another and existing in deep cover in the United States under this building this family life as their cover it's become real they love each other, they do have a real family, their love is real. Um, they are definitely a co career couple, so to speak. Yes. They both are uh they both are the heads of the family business, if you will, and um separating that ring is there, that promise to be together, uh, through good times and bad no matter what, is it will be interesting to see in those two hands joined in the weapon that they hold and the wedding ring as that counterpoint where they will end up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we took a very uh, uh, constructivist view of their stances, the very uh, flat dimension, flat colors, a very propagandist style.
0: Yeah. And some of the, like the season four color palette is similar to this season's. Is that a, trying to play off of that season? that color palette?
1: Um, I'm sorry, the, which season?
0: Uh, the the previous season, season four, that yes. they had the same color palette. Are you trying to play yes. off we, that season?
1: Yes, we, we have tried to work in the color palette. Um, we've changed the titration of which one of the colors in the palette is more dominant or passive, but we definitely wanted to stay in that same zone.
0: Yeah. It's very exciting for me to see the marketing of it, and and to have had this conversation with you. So I thank you so much for your time and your insights. It's really amazing, and I'm I'm very privileged to speak with you, Stephanie.
1: Oh, that's incredible. I feel privileged to speak with you. The fact that you're clearly a fan and are engaged <laughs> we're we, we are people that are uh, like you. We we love everything that's out there. Everything that's everyone is doing this is the pool we love to swim in so the fact that you're engaged and interested means the world to us and i'm very grateful for your interest and very appreciative of it because we do it for you
0: um thank you stephanie
1: thank you so okay. much it was a thank pleasure you. to talk to you
0: log on to espnla.com for more podcasts or check me out on twitter at Lafern cusack Thanks again, and I'll see you next week here on ESPN LA 710. ESPN LA 710.